This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Ramya and I are back, ladies and gentlemen. You're tuned in to Kelly and Ramya. She's at the studio in Toronto. I'm at the home studio in London, Ontario. And we have to do it, Rum. Have to give a big fedora's off and welcome back to Matt Agnew, our senior Woo-hoo. producer who is returning today for the first time in a year as he's been away. Really wonderful to have you back, Matt. Thank you. And uh, looking Scary. forward to getting back. He's on main campus. He's over there, is he? Mm-hmm. Do you hear him out there? I did Have when you, I was oh, out Oh, you there. can't with your... Not anymore. Yeah, but you can't with your headsets on, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, really wonderful to have you back. Looking forward to so much as the team expands and, you know, we just are able to do so much, folks, for the program and always want input. Yours, too. But, uh, yeah, Matt, welcome back. How long Rami do you Muthan? think it'll be before, before it's normal for him? No. <laughs> Well, if he has to put up with us, I would say probably two or three or four days. Just like the end of the show, yeah. Uh, No, I meant to say before it starts feeling normal for him. I'd say two months. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure because he's got to get acclimatized right now. Mm -hmm. He's got to kind of feel like he knows the stride, the TV thing, everything that comes with it, and then feels comfortable with everybody added. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with you. I'll go with the two months. Yeah. Okay. All right, we're on the same page. Yeah. We know ourselves. We know how long it takes to put up with us. And you know, now that you've said that, he's going to come to us in a month and ask us, see, you're wrong. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it actually took four months. Okay. Yeah, I'm not uh, even there, and it will be another time off. On Mondays, we like to feature AMI, because why not? There's always so much going on around here. Content, programming, AMI TV's got lots and lots of new stuff coming our way. Uh, And today, because at least once a month, we like to check in with our AMI audio podcast team. AMI's podcast coordinator, Ryan Delahunty, is going to keep us posted on all this stuff. Ryan, how's it going? Good. How are you two? Doing really well and looking forward to getting into some of this stuff with you. Uh, Let's start with a new three-part series that's going to be included on The Pulse. This is, of course, hosted by uh, Joey the Gupta. Yes, so uh, in the first part of the series, Joita speaks to Izzy Camilleri, the founder of Is Adaptive, which is a clothing brand that provides accessible fashions for people with disabilities. And so this is, as you may have guessed, a three-part series on accessible and adapted fashion. Uh, Many folks may know Izzy, who's interviewed in part one from the AMI-TV series Fashion Dis. Mm -hmm. And on The Pulse, she tells Joita about her foray into inclusive fashion and design at a time when no one was really talking about about it and uh, what prompted her desire to create clothes that are functional as well as beautiful. Then in part two of the series, Joita speaks to Wendy Wong, who is founder of June Adaptive, about her creative choice and journey. Wendy discusses the practicalities of getting her business off the ground, including obtaining feedback from people with disabilities. And then in the final part, which just released this past Saturday, Alexa Jovanovich, uh, founder of iDesign, discusses how she collaborates with members of the blind and partially sighted community to create her unique clothing with Braille beadwork. I love okay. it. We all have, yeah. do we all have? I definitely have a um, fashion is for everyone Braille t-shirt. So nice. So comfortable. Oh, that's amazing. Um, as a matter of fact, let's see what she has to say about this stuff, folks, because we've got a clip here where Alexa is checking out the, uh, telling us a little bit about the impact of the Braille beadwork messages featured on her clothing designs. 
So the braille from an aesthetic point of view is the focal point of each design. But when it comes to what the braille actually says, I think that's really the star of the show when it comes to our pieces. So the piece that I'm wearing right now is the black long sleeve shirt with white braille along the sleeves and down the center front. And the braille actually reads one of my favorite phrases that we have. So this one here says, make inclusion an expectation, not an exception. Blindness does not have a certain look or feel. Disabilities do not define us, we define ourselves. So that's all captured in this piece. So not only is it an empowering phrase, but it's designed to be empowering when worn. And it really brings together this important conversation about the way we display disabilities in the social landscape. There is a huge misconception that if you're blind or visually impaired, that you don't care what you look like. And that simply isn't true. And that's something that we really wanted to bring to the forefront of this particular piece, but also just in our value set at the company. So really making sure that these pieces are so fashion forward that absolutely anyone can wear them and really kind of reduces that stigma that disability and fashion can't coexist because that absolutely isn't true. Correct. I mean, I remember the times where I just worried about, hey, I'll just let, hey, mommy will give me something at Christmas time that's good to wear. And, and mm. you know, when I became 30, I realized it didn't have to always be that way. But the fact is... <laughs> You know, you you say, well, I just don't know enough or I don't want to look weird because I'm picking something out. Why would I want to think about my own fashion? And, and there are a few people like that. There are people I've known for years since we were kids at the blind school that it was real important for them to have their certain shirts on their certain style. And they were totally blind, not just low vision, totally blind people that were really aware that I'd sit there and say, how do you keep track? But it's not just that, Ramya. It's also when you have something like this, like what what's Lexi putting out, the feel you have with that communication on there, knowing what it says and knowing, yeah, it's in Braille, but it's so empowering to not only decide kind of what you want to wear with your look, but even these fantastic words we're hearing. Yep. It's what resonates with you, right? And that's what I was yeah. saying. Like, I have the fashionist for everyone T-shirt, and I was thinking, you know, it's very empowering, as, as she said, um, and it feels like you kind of can take accountability for your own stuff, which is exactly what you were alluding to. There's so much of this question mark. When we used to talk to Kia Osborne on the show monthly about fashion, um, and she mentioned a lot of other people's, you know, what makes you feel good? Is it your makeup? Is it your style, your sense of style? Is it a certain kind of fabric and texture? Is it just mm -hmm. whatever shoes you want to put on? Because you're like, that sounds like me. Um, and I think a lot of us struggle with this, honestly, way more than we, we express. Yep. And on various different levels, because if you have someone who has always picked out your clothing for you or you never really had to decide, or someone like me who I was like, I'm just going to... Everything is going to be black, so I don't have to deal with this. And that is a way of feeling, you know, not confident, right? Or feeling nervous about making the decisions of color or style or whatever it is. So a lot of people in the disability community can relate. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, Great word choice. Not confident. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, it really is. we can go on about this for a while, but tell us how we can uh, keep in touch with the Pulse. Absolutely. So um, you can find The Pulse Saturdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio, and it goes up right around the same time as a podcast on YouTube and your favorite audio podcasting platforms. Uh, so just search for The Pulse wherever you get your podcasts, 
and be sure to subscribe, like, and review to help get the show to more people that'll enjoy it. Uh, easiest sort of hub would be to go to ami.ca slash The Pulse. And uh, this weekend, Joita's got a very timely interview for those of us in Atlantic Canada as she speaks with Caitlin Lowe of Dalhousie University here in Halifax about disability and emergency preparedness. And we have been buried under snow since Friday. So I'm yes. sure this will uh, resonate with a lot of the East Coasters. Yeah. Half a meter and still coming at you from what I last heard. You want to jump, jump over to Sean of the Shed, another great AMI podcast. Yes, absolutely. So the newest episode is called The Power of Braille, A Journey of Learning and Discovery. Uh, came out during uh, Braille Literacy Month. And so... I was really excited to hear Sean would be putting the different, uh, the top rated Braille learning apps through their paces. And so Sean Priest, host of Sean of the Shed, uh, set out to learn about these apps, to test them out, see how accessible they are to a user who is blind or partially sighted. And in the process, he reviews four Braille learning apps, and those would hmm. be Braille Academy, Braille Decoded, Pocket Braille, and the best reviewed and the best titled app, Bump Bump Braille Learn. And and uh, he goes through these, providing some really valuable feedback on their accessibility and usability. And uh, some have some pretty glaring accessibility uh, failures being un incompatible with screen readers. So uh, yeah. teaching the sighted to learn Braille, uh, but not people who may be blind or partially sighted. Oh, do we have stories of this kind of experience? But yeah, let's check out a clip, a clip where Sean summarizes his findings uh, after finding some blaring accessibility issues with a few of the apps that you mentioned. That was Bump Bump Braille Learn. And I've got to say, for me, that's the winner so far. Um, I really liked the great descriptions of what Braille is, the description of how the Braille cell is made up, what the dots mean, the numbers, even what a Braille display is. Um, look, if you're just starting to get into it, that's exactly what you need. And the Braille quiz there, very easy. I mean, multiple choice. You knew exactly when you got something right or wrong. Yeah, I was impressed. So far, that is the winner. And I've got to say, I did try quite a few of these Braille learning apps. And the thing that kept coming up again and again, and as I mentioned earlier, is accessibility. There are so many of these Braille learning apps that are not accessible if you use a screen reader on your smartphone. And again, blows my mind. Um, uh, okay, but please give me access to these as well. <laughs> How kindly put, please. <laughs> yeah. Please let me also be able to use the app as a blind person. <laughs> How sweet, Sean. I think he's a little dumbfounded at how... <laughs> boneheaded a mistake that was to no make kidding. these apps or to not even consider uh the accessibility of these apps uh so i think he's a little astounded that uh -huh. in this day and age for you know for such specific uh apps that uh those would uh miss the mark as well but uh well, some of them are definitely worth checking out yeah well, you know how a lot of us, um, to some degree, do some level of consulting, whether it's formally or not. We're educating people all the time. And when people ask me, hey, uh, can you check out this Braille to make sure that I'm doing it right? And or send me the Braille 
version of this text to, you know, label something with. And I go to these Braille, quote, translators online, and some of them are just absolutely inaccessible. I have no idea what dots I'm reading. They're just complete image form, and I have no mm -hmm. way to actually check if the Braille is accurate or not. And I'm thinking, so now I have to tell the sighted person how to check if this Braille is correct? Like, that's just ridiculous. Um, it feels, yeah, absolutely like you're left out of your own conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think like, that's uh, who is supposed to be using it is the sighted person, Ryan. I think that's well, how come you get these image-based things like that for back in the day when ridiculous. somebody say, I want to learn Braille because their view is, well, if, you, if you're blind, you already know it. Yeah, but there's reasons how people do I know you're want doing it right, though? the assistance. Exactly. And there's reasons for making up cards and things like that mm -hmm. where people want you to proof it as a blind person or this being effective. People that are just so far outside of, uh, you know, those communities often, you know, with their in university, their engineers, whatever, you know, they come up with this project that they think has a social good, yet nobody who they're trying to help is involved. And sometimes you can yes. see these uh, really, you know, good natured, but misguided attempts to cater to an audience that they know very little about personally. The the Braille situation almost reminded me of, you hear stories getting, of people getting uh, tattoos in Japanese or Chinese, and they have no idea what it actually says. <laughs> it says. Tattooed on their body. <laughs> and so it kind of reminds yeah. me of this, um, and the artist with a great sense of humor, right? All right. How can <laughs> folks find the episode if they want to listen to it and everything else from Sean of the Shed? Yeah, definitely recommend checking out this full episode. He's been on a really good run with uh, the previous one being about mastering hand gestures with Apple Watch. Uh, not having one, I learned quite a lot about uh, different ways you can use that interface. Um, artificial intelligence for description and seeing AI and be my eyes. Uh, so he really gets into a lot of great detail and they're good to repeat and really step-by-step -step walk you through some really great tools that are out there. So easiest way to find him is just to look up Sean of the Shed on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform or visit uh, ami.ca slash Sean dash shed and that's S-H-A-U-N dash shed for links to the various platforms hosting oh. the show. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you both. So nice to be with you again, and hopefully we'll talk soon. Yes, we will. Go make a snow angel if you don't get buried. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah, we check in with our podcast friends and Ryan Delahanty, our AMI podcast coordinator, at least once a month. But check in on Mondays for more AMI updates. In the next hour of the program on Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin is joined by special guest Senator Kim Pate, an independent member of the Senate of Canada and a longtime human rights advocate. Also... During our CNIB Smart Life segment, we talk about the Come to Work program and the Accommodating Your World series. Up next, however, Vancouver celebrates the Lunar New Year in February with events throughout the Lower Mainland. Community reporter Carol Yippel has those details. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.